Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living with IBD, an IBD podcast. This is the podcast where we'll discuss the challenges of living with inflammatory bowel disease and the place where we feature those IBD warriors who have learned valuable lessons along the way. I'm your host, Shonda, and I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2004 and Crohn's disease in 2022. Before we get started, please remember that the information discussed on this podcast is not medical advice. Any questions regarding your personal health should be directed to your healthcare provider. In today's episode, we want to highlight the experiences of people of color living with IBD. Research has been done on inequity in care and outcomes in our healthcare system as a whole, and so we would like to explore this further in the context of IBD. We'll look to address questions like, what are the unique challenges of people of color who live with IBD? How can a person of color living with IBD take steps to become self-empowered and getting the right care? Joining me today are two lovely people who were diagnosed with IBD themselves. Kayla was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2013 and Crohn's disease in 2021 and lives in Massachusetts. Kayla, welcome to Living with IBD. Hey, Shonda, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Happy to have you. And Marilyn was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1997 and lives in Texas. Marilyn, welcome to Living with IBD. Thank you, Shonda. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for joining us today. I would love to start off by hearing a little bit about both of your journeys. So, Kayla, let's start with you. What was the process of getting diagnosed like for you? So for me, um, I think getting diagnosed was a little bit challenging. Um, so I started having symptoms when I was a child, roughly around when I was like 13 or 14. And um, my parents are immigrants from the Dominican Republic. Uh, so when they came here to the U.S., um, we were kind of raised culturally to to not question doctors or anything like that. So when they took me to the doctors, they would kind of always just say, oh, she's just constipated. She's just constipated. And also they didn't really understand English. So at the time I had to serve as the interpreter for them. So oh. I'm not sure if that kind of played a role into the delay in my diagnosis, but I wasn't officially diagnosed until my late 20s. And that was when I had gone to get a second opinion. So you, you mentioned the delay in your diagnosis. So can you tell me what emotional and, and physical battles you faced because of that delay? Um, so many, so many. I would say frustration. I'm um, sure. A lot of anger. Um, I, I felt at times kind of like I was crazy. Um, I would feel like all those all those negative sort of emotions, anger, anxiety, frustration, um, lack of support as well. Um, I didn't I felt like I didn't know where to go, what to do, where to pivot. Um, and just. Yeah, just just all of it. Understandable, understandable. I I was there too. Um, my I started having symptoms at fourteen, and I also was confused, mad, angry, frustrated, all of the above. So I get it. And probably like yourself, because I was so young, there was a a, a delay in my treatment process. Would you say the same that your treatment process was impacted? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It sounds like our, our journeys kind of seem a little parallel. 
It does. It does. It does. <laughs> and Marilyn, how how about you? What was the process of getting diagnosed like for you, Marilyn? Yeah, uh, for me, it was slightly different. I was a young adult. I had children already. Um, I was misdiagnosed, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, my PCP thought it was fibroids and um, referred me to a gynecologist. And we went through <laughs> removing fibroids. And yet I recall having that day surgery for fib- removing fibroids and, and waking up feeling, oh, my God, this pain is still here. Something oh, wow. is still wrong. Um, and it wasn't until about a month after that where I, my mom, who was, who is currently a retired nurse, but a nurse at the time, um, you know, my kids called, I couldn't get out of bed and my kids called their grandmother, my mom, and she came and, uh, she was, she was my advocate. She, uh, (laughs) took me right back down to, uh, my primary care provider and she spoke the language (laughs) and demanded. Gotta love mothers. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. She is definitely an example. So, um, I I hear you guys talk about being frustrated. Even at a young age, I, I applaud you guys because for me, I was just terrified. I I'm, I didn't know what was going on, and everyone kept saying this is this is not normal for someone of color. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, I'm definitely one of color, so absolutely. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so I they referred me. They took some tests and uh, referred me to the nearest hospital, which was, um, well, here in the Houston area. And um, I met two surgeons who did a series of tests. A colonoscopy was one of them. And um, yeah, that was when I had the major surgery (laughs) of removal of my lower intestine, or part of my lower intestines, part of my large intestines, the gallbladder. It was just a major surgery. Um, Even from that, I I was still afraid because I'm thinking now I have this disease. I have this illness that I will never get well. So what to expect? Um, So from there, education became number one priority. So Marilyn, when when seeking health care for IBD, what challenges could be attributed to the various aspect of your identity? Yeah, you know, that's a good question um, because I'm a little senior. I'm in my 50s and I want a doctor who understands my culture, my background, uh, me being a woman, the changes of me getting older, um, as well as having a knowledge of IBD. That is extremely important to me. So my gastrologist is actually he and I are closer together than my PCP. Now, I do love my PCP. She's amazing. Um, mm. But I have formed <laughs> I get uh, it. a tighter bond with my gastrologist and his family. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm quick to call him first. Um, and then we loop my PCP involved, as well as my um, um, pharmacist. And I, I know that sounds strange. <laughs> no, no, it does not. It does not sound strange at all. I actually have a, I mean, I talk to my GI more than I talk to my PCP. So okay. I get it. And then, I mean, we're always at the pharmacy so because yeah. this is a lifelong condition. Yes. So no, it doesn't sound strange to other IBD warriors. So no, I, okay. I, it doesn't, mm-hmm. not at all. No. See, Kayla's we're, agreeing. And, yeah. Like we're always there. It's so true what Shonda said. Like we are, 
we are building a relationship with them. They are technically taking care of us too at the pharmacy. So, Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> so Kayla, I pose the same question to you. When seeking healthcare for IBD, what challenges could be attributed to various aspects of your identity? I would say um, definitely the same. I definitely feel like I would connect better with a female IBD healthcare provider, although mm-hmm. all of mine have been men. Um, so, and I'm really thankful that my current GI doctor, he's been my third one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad that I found him because we've built a relationship and a communication where we're on the same level and it's just an amazing relationship now and I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm going to be very sad when he retires. (laughs) Well, okay. So question for you, Kayla, when, when Mm -hmm. you were seeking a diagnosis and later care, did your healthcare team understand those unique challenges that you faced? No. And I really wish that they did. I don't, but also, I feel like I didn't communicate that to them okay. as so well. They fully aware. Yes. So okay. they knew that I had a delay in diagnosis, but I don't think they understood the toll that it had taken on me. I don't think that they, I didn't communicate to them the, you know, the anxiety, the anger, the frustration, the feel of mistrust that you mm-hmm. end up developing in healthcare providers because you've kind of been on this roller coaster with other doctors. So it kind of, you know, leaves you a little afraid. Um, so I, I feel like I didn't communicate that enough, but I'm glad that ultimately I did find someone who... And then eventually, you know, I kind of built up the courage to communicate and know what I was looking for in a provider. So I'm going to switch gears for a little bit, ladies. Um, I want to talk about how easy or how hard it was for you to open up and talk about your IBD with others. So, Kayla, what were the barriers? That, or should we go to Maryland? Is that Maryland? Because it sounds like you have a lot to say about this. <laughs> yeah, Maryland. Take it so, on. <laughs> so if that's OK with you, Kayla, I'll switch no, over no, to no. Maryland. No, no, I'm fine. <laughs> OK, OK. So, Maryland, what were the barriers that stopped you from having these conversations? Um, wow. Um. It's funny you bring this up because I was um, sharing my story with a forum and um, (laughs) my experience has not been a pleasant one when sharing outside the medical field. Um, Mm. I lost friends. Um, I isolated some family members (laughs) simply because the jokes and the responses um, to my illness, uh, the symptoms... Mm-hmm. Really, because initially, okay. um, in one form, you know, they were like, you know, you got to have a a, a a light heart about it, and I'm like, what? Um, well, what? But nonetheless, I have a lot in, to say about that too. But I'll let I'll let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I it's just initially, I lost a lot of friends. Um, it was not well received. I did not appreciate some of the the comments. Um, the questions were very um, tacky, if I can say that word. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, and I thought, wow, where's the sympathy in this? And and then there was a period of time where. People thought I was lying about being sick. Oh. They were like, you look great. And I'm like, wow, yeah, but my stomach is killing me. I'm 
bawling over and went into the bathroom. Have you uh-huh. been told that you were a hypochondriac? I was told I was a hypochondriac <sighs> because I looked Yikes. fine. I so, love that one. <laughs> you've heard that one, Kayla? <laughs> yes. So, yes. okay, wow. we, we can definitely relate to what you're saying, yeah. Marilyn. Yeah. We can relate so, for sure. But now, you know, my circle is mature. (laughs) I know I'm going to use that word. Um, And again, I have, you know, found some really awesome forums where they share information and they're they're willing to share their story, their background, uh, what works for them, what they're doing, even holistically. Um, It's just been one of those growing moments for me, I guess. And but initially it was horrible. It was. So would you say that those initial conversations stopped you from sharing your story more broadly or? Absolutely. I shut okay. down. I, you know, I didn't want to tell anybody. Only my family knew that I had Crohn's disease. And um, it got to the point where I had to tell my employer and I was lucky that she knew wow. all about Crohn's disease because Isn't her mother that the had best? It. Um, and so that empathy was there. And then of course I had another job, but then, yeah, (laughs) I work from home now. So that, that eliminates that, but you're right. Initially I didn't, I, I clammed down. I didn't share anything with anybody. So what helped you break down some of those Um, initial barriers? I start loving me. I start, um, I love that, you know, investing in me, uh, taking care of me and, you know, and that's why I said, you know, my social circles change um, mm-hmm. and I became an advocate. Um, and then I, like I said, there's so many forms where it is such a positive experience and it's supportive and influential even, uh, such as you two ladies. Um, I circle, I surround myself with that type of energy, that type of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. And for those that don't do not understand and want to make jokes, that's just not for me. And that's out of it's my control. So I move on. Yeah, it's absolutely. That's how I look at it. So, Kayla, what about you? What were the barriers that stopped you from having those uh, conversations about your IBD? I'd say similar to to what you guys mentioned as well. Um, the comments that people say. I was uh, definitely afraid to talk about it, you know, the stigma of talking about Mm -hmm. something that is embarrassing to talk about, about having to Mm -hmm. go to the bathroom or even the symptoms that come along with it. Absolutely. I was too embarrassed to, and I had been made fun of as a kid always with the whole constipation thing. So just talking about anything that had to go to deal with the bathroom was just like, no for me. <laughs> me too. So, me too. It's a big no. Yeah. So it was it was definitely hard, but I think what was easy for me was sharing it on social media because I was able I'm I'm a writer. I just like to put my feelings out on paper mm-hmm. and it just makes me feel better. I'm big on journaling and every time if you go back like way back in my social media posts, a lot of them are so like it's my heart that I put out there that these people have no idea um that it's it's me almost healing by sharing my journey as well. So would you say, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that social media helped you break down some of these initial barriers or, you know, what, what helped you break down some of these initial barriers if it wasn't social media? 
I would absolutely say social media, um, seeing other people sharing their story, talking about it, seeing other people that look like me sharing their story, seeing that there's even a community out there of people I who agree. have this condition. Um, just seeing that we are real humans, not these people in commercials, you know, that look, mm -hmm. don't look mm -hmm. sick at all. Egg, that egg, we're exactly. just... Yeah, everyday people. Well, I can say that both of what you ladies said resonated with me. This is always like a touchy topic for me. The community where I come from, we didn't talk about blood in our stool. We didn't talk about colonoscopies. And I'm, I was 14 at the time. I was young like you were, Kayla. And um, I never heard those type of conversations. You know, if I had a stomach ache, it was always drink some ginger ale or eat crackers. It was never... Um, you know, talk of blood in the stool, or if you can't hold your stool, or, um, you know, you need to get a colonoscopy to check for cancer and other digestive diseases. That was just conversations that didn't happen where I grew up. So it made me suffer in silence for 10 years because I didn't know how to express what I was going through. And um, it, def it definitely kept me from sharing my story broadly. I didn't have a voice at that age. Um, but like you, Kayla, seeing others share their story, going through this long journey, I had to tell myself, you know, um, this, this, this is, I have to live with this. And I finally learned that I am not alone. I'm not by myself. I have a tribe of warriors with me like yourself in, in Maryland and that I'm not by myself. And the only way to get the conversation started is to talk about it. Right. So, um, I can definitely relate. And like yourself, Marilyn, I lost some friends too. When you're really, really sick, some things shouldn't be joked about. Um, you know, I can laugh about some things here and there when I'm well, but when you're in a sick place, some things you just don't want to laugh about. You just want to get to that place of healing. So I understand um, if you lost a few friends, you had to do what you had to do for your for your physical and your mental health. And I'm, I've lost a few too. And it, it is what it is. Um, I always say maybe they'll loop back around. Maybe not. But um, my circle is small, but it's secure. And I like it like that. So I, I agree with both of you ladies. I think you both are doing what's best for your health. And it's important, you know. So um, I want to talk about how you share information about your IBD diagnosis with your friends and family. You know, how did they react? How are they handling it now? And how does it affect you? And so I think we touched on that a little bit. But but Kayla, how how is things with your friends and family now today? So for me, I was very quiet about telling well first I mean I have a 13 year old I really did not want my 13 year old to know about this condition um, I didn't want him to see me sick the times that I was in the hospital I would try to kind of hide that from him not because I was against him knowing about the disease but I just mm -hmm. didn't want him to fear me being sick so I kind of hid that from him a little bit which in the long run ended up probably being like the worst thing that I could have done. And now mm -hmm. that we've talked about it, he is just learning so much from all of us, the community, from me being diagnosed, from me sharing my story. Okay. 
So Marilyn, what about you? How are your friends and family now? Yeah. Um, so my family has always been that level, gave me that level of support that I needed. Um, and when I say family, I'm, I'm talking siblings and my mom. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad is now deceased, but um, my mom, who's a retired nurse, always had that background and knowledge. And so when things happen along this journey, um, I've been in and out of the hospital. Um, they have come to ask the questions, you know, what's the next steps? You know, what is this medication? And now my children are young adults. <clears throat> my daughter has um, became my, I guess, patient care supporter. Um, she comes with me every once in a while to my doctor's or my GI uh, appointments just to get some information and understanding of the care, the relationship mm-hmm. or the prognosis or, or the plan that he and I have set. We talk about it and she comes in and she learns about it. Um, research. She was there with me researching. <laughs> what does this medication it. do? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Um, and, and she's fairly young, but, you know, she is definitely a mom's daughter, one of my best friends. So, yeah, they are. So my family, my close friends, they they stay um educated. Um, they do check in um, and I travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And so when I travel, of course, you know, they're, they're someone's with me that knows, okay, if something was to happen, here's my information. Here's, you know, let's, here's, here's a plan, you know? I so. That. so you have, it sounds like you have a good support system and that's important. So question for you, Kayla. Is there a challenge of general non-awareness of IBD in Black and Brown communities? Yes, absolutely. Um, (laughs) Just within the community itself, um, absolutely. Um, My mom had never heard any about what she was just like. What? What's colitis? <laughs> like thick Spanish accent, and I was just like, "Mommy!" <laughs> She's totally and, taken back. She's like, "What is this?" <laughs> yes, and then having to like translate the medical terminology oh, wow. and literally breaking it down t- for her and explaining it is just like. So, Kayla, <laughs> you were a teenager explaining this to your mom. Yes. When you were at well, these doctor visits because of the language barrier. Exactly. Oh, and wow. it was just like, wow. oh, yeah, your daughter is having this and she needs this. And my mom is just like, okay, like what? <laughs> she just oh, doesn't wow. understand anything. So it was really interesting. And even now, I mean, my mom speaks English now and she learned mm-hmm. English. But when it comes to medical terms, you know, it's it's very hard to understand it in Absolutely. another language. And now that I have an ostomy and... I think I've had mine now for two years. In the beginning, it was sort of like similar again. Like, what? Okay, like, okay, it's an ostomy. And I'm just like, oh, it's a bag, ma. And, and explaining that to her. Mm-hmm. And then what was very interesting is about a year ago, I had a relative in Dominican Republic because all my family still lives there that needed an ostomy as well. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting to then sort of educate that side of my family that lived 
that lives in Dominican Republic who just kind of sees me through virtually and through social media. But mm-hmm. now that they have someone on their side who has to who needed an ostomy as well, it was really cool to just educate them on that side of the world and just like the barriers of them not knowing like you could swim with an ostomy, you know, like you can mm-hmm. shower without one. Just little things like that that there's definitely more more knowledge that needs to be out there more the word needs to get out there everywhere and and I do think it's awesome you know all of our journeys of course was frustrating in the beginning but now you're able to use your journey and your experience to educate and help your family so there there's always a light at the end there's always a light even though it's a little dark in the beginning so I think that it's great they have you to call on to help educate them through this Um, I want to shift over to support and awareness. Kayla, when you look for support with IBD, where do you look to find resources that speak to your experiences as a person of color? Um, I'm not going to lie. I go right to the Internet and I know they always say, like, don't look online. (laughs) (laughs) But technology is taking over. How can we not? You know, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Everything is literally at our fingertips. We have apps for tracking our poop, guys. Like, what? (laughs) There's all kinds of fun stuff out there right now. (laughs) That's true. Yes. So I would definitely say Internet. Um. Mm -hmm. If I'm looking for something in particular, um, whether it be like ostomy related, you know, something specifically, I will definitely either go to like some sort of medical source or, you know, something that I know has a reputable (laughs) uh, reputation because Mm -hmm. I want like, you know, as much information and a reliable source as I could possibly get. So definitely I would say the Internet and medical Um, resources and support groups on social media have been a huge resource for me as well. I agree. I've I've used those same avenues and the livingwithibd.com website has been absolutely amazing. What about uh, you, Marilyn? Where do you look to find resources that speak to your experiences as a person of color? Absolutely the same. I go to the internet. um, I, I, social media, um, I've been referred to cer- certain forums they meet um, here in the Texas area, Houston area, about once every three months about IBD. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. I do the same. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so, Marilyn, have you been able to meet with or read about other patients who are persons of color with IBD? Yeah. Um, so there's a, a social media um forum that I like to engage in. And like I said, they share their stories. Um, they even meet um, and, awesome. and open up. Um, and even the forum that meets here in the Houston area uh, face-to-face once every three months, um, there are one or two of us that are there of color and they share their stories and they share some of their background and um, their journey. So it's, it's definitely I helpful. I love that. I absolutely love it. The more, the better. Um, The more people that keep talking, the more, you know, knowledge, education, research related to IBD um, that will come about. Um, Kayla, what about you? Have you been able to meet with or read about other patients who are persons of color with IBD? 
Yes. Um, I am part of a few nonprofits that have been able to connect me with people of color and people with IBD. I think it's been amazing. Um, I mean, I was able to meet you, Shonda, which you are amazing. And so are you, (laughs) Miss Model. (laughs) Thank you. And I I think that it's so important and it's just a, a, a different atmosphere when you are with people who just get it Mm -hmm. and surrounded by people who have gone through the same thing as you it's just a feeling that you cannot describe right I agree I agree it's it's like it's your tribe that's what I say Mm -hmm. it's it's you guys are my tribe. If you, if yes. someone tells me they have inflammatory bowel disease, whether it's Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, we're we're immediately connected. Like yes. I, that if they say that, all right, we're connected because I know in my mind they understand my journey, my struggle, my story, and everything that's to come with this whole disease. So I agree with you on that for sure. So Kayla, what do you know about navigating IBD that you wish you knew when you were first diagnosed? Oh, you're hitting me with the hard one at the end, huh? I know. <laughs> Marilyn, you're up next. So. I know, right? I'm thinking. I'm so go back. Just think um, about, you know, it's been a long journey. I know. I know. Um, so is there anything that you wish you knew about when you were first diagnosed? That I can do this. Yeah. I'm going to keep it, it It's simple. just that simple. <laughs> yep. I was just going to say, yes, yes. Yeah, I you know it. that that could go into like so many things. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep it simple. Like you can do this. I can. I can. And we'll leave it there because I agree yep. with you on that. What about um, you, Marilyn? Is there anything that you know now about navigating IBD that you wish you knew when you were first diagnosed? I'm going to adopt Kayla's thoughts. You know, I can do this. I can do I like this. Kayla. I like Kayla's thoughts too. And you know what? I'm going to add to Kayla's thoughts because there was, since I was a person and I suffered in silence for long, so long, I wish I told myself I can do this and I don't have to do it alone. Yes. Ooh, yes. Because I didn't know anybody else that had IBD. And now, oh my God, we're, we're like, we're a thick, pretty thick tribe. So, yes. you know, I wish I knew that I can do this, but I don't have to do this alone. And when I found that there were so many other warriors like myself, it, I was like in heaven. But to know <laughs> that um, I can do this and I'm not alone is what I wish I knew. So I am so thankful for you, Kayla, and you, Marilyn, and the rest of the IBD warriors that we have out here. Thank you both so much for talking with me today. Thank you so much for having me, Shonda. It's been an honor. Absolutely. Thanks, Shonda. It's been a pleasure. To everyone listening, I hope you'll join us for the next episode of Living with IBD, an IBD podcast. Make sure to check out the other resources available at livingwithibd.com. We'll talk soon.